It looks like it's recording. Is it recording? Let me see something. I want to see about record. Is this recording? Let's listen to this. You change the people you hang around, you seem to get a, a different person. And that's what needs to happen. What's his best, what's his worst, and what's his middle. So heel changes. And we'll go to the left here, we'll come around here. Tom Edmonds is the president of the Alice Springs Rodeo Association. He's enthusiastic about the opportunities that bull riding will open up for the young offenders. It gives them an opportunity to have a crack, have a go. They've helped out here setting up all the grandstands, doing as much as work as we do. So I can't see why they cannot compete. How big of a need do you think there is for programs like this to stop reoffending in Alice Springs and Central Australia and the Northern Territory? I think it's, it's not going to be a world beater, but I think it will be an avenue with footy and all other sports programs that are out there that will put them on the right track. So why not give it a try? Victoria Ellis reporting on that effort at the local rodeo in Alice Springs this weekend to get some of the inmates and the former offenders back in action and getting used to life on the outside. Turning to other sport, American gymnast Simone Biles has won a 20th World Championship gold medal this week. She led the US women's team to victory at the World Artistic Gymnastics Championships in Belgium. It was Biles' first international competition since taking a two-year break from the sport to focus on her mental health. Gymnastics journalist Lauren Hopkins told the BBC's Ed Harry Biles' floor routine in the team event was the best she's ever performed. I honestly, when I was watching it, thought this is the best she's ever done floor. It's one of the best routines I've ever seen in gymnastics. Um, I've never seen her hit those landings like that. She's normally a little bit bouncy just because she's so powerful, but she stuck multiple passes. Feet didn't move, was so strong, um, so solid, and got um, a, a massive score for what she did. Well-deserved. We talk a lot understandably about what happened at the Tokyo Olympic Games, about Simone Biles revealing that she was suffering from the twisties, this feeling of disorientation that made it virtually impossible to perform as she wanted to. Then this two-year break to work on her mental health. How important is it not only that she took that break, but she is now showing that you can come back and not only can you come back, but you can be right at the very top of the sport once again? I think it's incredible and I think it's so important that she can prove to other athletes, not even just about herself, but I think there's a lot of pressure in gymnastics especially that you cannot take a break, that you have to keep going, um, you have to push through injuries, through mental health issues. I think now athletes can see what Simone's doing and say, oh, okay, I can take time for myself and I can get healthy and I don't need to push past my breaking point because that's only going to make me worse it's going to be helpful for me if i focus on myself and my my health basically and i don't want to hang medals around her neck because a, a good point was made a little bit earlier in the week when we were having a conversation about this that that's exactly the kind of thing which does sort of build yeah. and put pressure onto an athlete uh, how about this then i know she's in the all-around final on friday and she's in each of the individual apparatus finals in those finals who are some of the other gymnasts in the sport right now who could really make it difficult for her if if indeed she is aiming for a sweep of gold medals at, at these champs um i think in the all-around she's going to be pretty solid and hard to beat um not to put that pressure on her but she is just so far ahead scoring wise but there are a few others who um could come in and potentially 
take advantage if she does have any mistakes. One is her teammate, um, Shylise Jones, who looked incredible both in qualifications and in the team final, and she's in a bunch of individual finals as well. Um, Rebecca Andrade from Brazil, uh, again, showed in both qualifications and the team final just how well she can score. She actually scored in the team final, even though they don't count an all-around, a score that would have come pretty close to what Simone scored in qualifications. So I think um, she's going to be really exciting to watch if she can replicate her performance. Um, and Jessica Gadarova from um, the British team is another one who I think could definitely pull in for a medal. She's um, had a little bit of trouble on her vault in the team final, but came back from that and I think showed what an incredible mindset she had to return from a fall and to put up really stellar performances on all of her routines. And it's business this week and Simone Biles isn't, isn't talking a great deal uh around these finals and that's understandable with such a heavy program but let, let's sort of I guess speculate on her behalf we, we really want to see her at the Olympic Games next year don't we and we talk about redemptive arcs in sport and it would be phenomenal to see her back to her best in Paris just as she's showing that she's back at that level now there in Antwerp yeah I think the Olympics are why she's back and I think um, she has some unfinished business she's said a couple of times and I think it's going to be uh, really important for her to get back to the Olympic Games and to mentioned by federal prosecutors when they charged the former president with mishandling classified material. But ABC is reporting Mr Pratt was interviewed. He's been contacted for comment and is not accused of wrongdoing. A spokesperson for Mr Trump criticised what he called illegal leaks and said he'd always acted lawfully. Premiers and chief ministers from across the country have been meeting in Adelaide, discussing issues in the health system ahead of National Cabinet the Council for the Australian Federation came together to ensure states and territories are working cohesively to tackle policy problems. South Australia's... The SES has attended 19 flood and storm jobs since midnight last night. And that compares to more than 250 jobs in the previous 24 hours. An inquiry into a senior prison officer's sexual abuse of inmates has been told there is no surveillance footage of his offending, despite there being up to 175 security cameras in the prison at the time. Gavin Coote reports. A special commission of inquiry is examining Wayne Gregory Astle's sexual abuse of female prisoners at Sydney's Dewinia Correctional Centre while he was a senior officer. Astle was jailed for 23 years in March. Corrective Services Manager of Security, Fergal Malloy, today told the inquiry it was strange there was no CCTV footage of Astle's offending. He said while there were about 175 surveillance cameras in the prison at the time, that number was inadequate and he's requested substantial funding to address this. 
The Biden administration says its stance on building a wall on the US border with Mexico has not changed. It follows reports that new sections of a wall could be constructed in Texas to stave off record migrant crossings. But Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says funding was allocated during the previous Trump administration in 2019 and the Biden administration is legally required to follow through with it. He says they had no choice. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. Vanuatu's Prime Minister Sato Kilman has been removed from office just a month after he was voted in. In a 27-0 vote this afternoon, MPs chose to remove the Prime Minister in a vote of no confidence. Kilman and his supporters refused to take part in the vote and walked out of Parliament, capping a dramatic day of politics which saw government MPs attempting to postpone the sitting of Parliament. A new Prime Minister will be elected later this afternoon. Back home in sport, rugby league star Josh Adokar will miss out on this month's Pacific Championships following his involvement in a brawl at the Koori Knockout Cup last weekend. Chloe Harper reports. Just days after being selected in the Kangaroos squad, Josh Adokar has reportedly been stood down, causing a massive selection drama for coach Mal Meninga. The Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs winger allegedly punched an opposition player in the head after a match on the New South Wales Central Coast. The NRL has issued Adokar with a breach notice, alleging he broke the league code of conduct. The 28-year-old has five business days to respond. He's been replaced by three-time premiership fullback Dylan Edwards from the Penrith Panthers who will make his international debut. And former Seagulls coach Des Hasler is suing the NRL club after he was sacked last year. The two-time premiership winning coach was sacked by the Seagulls with a year left on his contract. Under his coaching, Manly lost the last seven games of their 2022 season. A shower or two across the south, mainly about the southern slopes and about the central inland and central tablelands. A few showers developing along the central and northern parts of the coast. There's the slight chance of a coastal shower in Sydney this afternoon. Partly cloudy tomorrow, the slight chance of a shower atop of 19. And partly cloudy on Sunday, also the slight chance of a shower atop of 20. ABC News. This is Lindsay McDougall on ABC Illawarra. Hello there. We're going to talk about pokies this hour just a little bit because... People of New South Wales lost $3.921 billion to poker machines in the first six months of this year. $3.921 billion. I think when I was talking about it last month, last hour, I was just talking about the increase. That's up from there was a pre-COVID high in the first six months of 2019. This is a $745 million increase in the amount that you and I have lost on the pokies. Do you play the pokies? I used to play the pokies. I admit it, I used to love playing the pokies. I, you know, you're sort of in the pub anyway. You've got a bit of a sugar high from whatever the, you're being mixed, your alcohol's being mixed with, and you're in there, you're playing the pokies. And, or maybe you're just bored in an afternoon because you're at a pub, you've got to play later at night. You're there anyway, so you play the pokies. i played a lot of the pokies, but I haven't in about 10 or more years. I just really don't see the point anymore. But a lot of people do, and uh, we're going to be talking uh, to the CEO of Wesley Mission about this because here in Wollongong, we are number two in regional New South Wales in terms of the amount that was lost, the second highest amount, and the Shoalhaven Cup's fifth highest as well. So uh, around here, there are a lot of people losing money on the pokies, so we've got to talk about it. We're also going to talk to a local poetry group that have just won a great uh, award here. It is um, a mental health-related award 
as it is Mental Health Month at the moment, and you may have an idea who the poetry uh, organisation is if I put those two things, poetry and mental health, together. Uh, we're going to hear from the Soweto Choir. If you missed them the other day, they're in the Shoalhaven this Sunday, so we'll get a little bit of the amazing performance they did right here uh, on ABC Illawarra in the room, just not right next to me. And another artist... Giant theatrical sounds are going to be at the Servo in Port Kembla today. His name is Noah. Noah Scape. Get it? Noah Scape. Actually quite a mental health focus in uh, the music of this artist as well. And they will be joining us to play a song and have a chat as well before 5 o'clock here on ABC Radio. Let's have a look at the weather. ABC Radio. Weather. Morgan Pumper from the Bureau of Meteorology is here on a slightly more relaxed day, meteorologically speaking, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And look into the weekend, I guess the main story for the listening area would be that touch of cooler conditions that we're seeing into the weekend, especially for the southern tableland. So we do have that chance of frost over the next couple of mornings, getting down to two degrees at Golden both days, and even around that four degrees below average tomorrow with the top of 16, which is what we have seen today as well. While we forecast for around that 16 degrees, did get up to 18.2 degrees today. So not too bad while at Illawarra the night. 19.7 was the top for today, but even out there at the moment, a little bit of cloud overhead, but yeah, much more settled in the way of yeah. the weather, which is all due to a ridge of high pressure. A uh, little bit of stability for a few days. What's that going to mean over the weekend? Yeah, so with that, it's mostly just bringing those cooler temperatures in the morning, but we've still got a bit of that southwesterly and even southeasterly winds into the weekend. So with that, we do have the warning to sheep graziers, so that does include for Illawarra and the southern tableland. So just due to those cold temperatures, those winds, and we've still got that chance of some showers into tomorrow as well. But while we've got that... Illawarra coastal waters with the strong wind warning today. We do see those winds ease into tomorrow and cancel that wind warning. So I guess for the weekend it mostly just means while well, there's still that little bit of an onshore airflow, that slight chance of showers, um, but otherwise we will start to see those temperatures warm up. I mean, even from Monday but probably more so from the middle of the week and into Thursday as well. Alright, you have a great weekend, Morgan. Great to talk to you. Thank you. No worries. Cheers. Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> We'll talk to the Transport Management Centre soon as well, but there's nothing really popping up on the radar that's going to cause you any real issues. Just a bit slow through Berkeley on the M1 Princess Motorway going south, a bit slow through Fig Tree going north, as is part of the course on a Friday afternoon. In the Shoalhaven, a little bit slow going through south, Nowra, if you are heading south, uh, and then up to the Southern Highlands, it's getting slow heading into Mittagong from Barrel. But I think that's about it. If you see anything, though, let us know. one three hundred nine seven three three hundred From Helensburg to Ulladulla, Barrel to Wollongong, this is ABC Illawarra. And if you are someone who plays the pokies, like, let me know what it is about it that gets you in. Like, it is a very... I would say very good way in terms of uh, wasting time, a good way of taking up. If you've got a bit of time to spare, it'll really help you take up that time, won't it? Uh, it really is one of those things that can, you can get kind of lost in. And look, did you know, as I said, $3.921 billion has been lost to poker machines just in the first six months of this year, just in New South Wales. There was quarterly data released today, and that was what was revealed, a $745 million increase from the pre-COVID high in the first six months.
Arctic sea ice, where we've seen a rather dramatic decline in Arctic sea ice over the last few years. And it's, rather than projecting loss of summer Arctic sea ice, uh, sea ice mid-next century, we're now looking at total loss within the next 30 to 50 years. Mm. Um, we've seen major impacts in, in other areas, but it's very difficult to point to, to categorical examples of, of people This is an ABC podcast. Well, that has made it a bit rocky, hasn't it? It's unfortunate, uh, the decision that Kiribati has made, but we'll continue to work constructively. You're with Jonathan Green on RN Drive. Kiribati has left the Pacific Islands Forum just a day before official proceedings were about to get underway. Where does this leave? The regional body with a spotlight on the Pacific region. Also, would you race out to grab a booster if it was made available to you today? Well, in some parts of the country, the lines were out the door. In others, it was a bit more subdued. Why are some people heeding the booster message? And why are others blasé? And do you think the older you get, the grumpier you become? No. Are you sure? I mean, there must be some truth to it. No. What if science has proven this concept? No. <clears throat> Regardless of what old mate reckons, we will take a look at old grumpy people later this hour. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Are you someone who has abandoned any pretense of civility as you become older and, and wiser? Or have you mellowed as you have matured? There could be scientific reasons as to why. You can text in, join the conversation. You got my number, 0418 or tweet at RN Drive on air, online or on the ABC Listen. and other Justice Department officials working for Special Counsel Jack Smith, who is, of course, already investigating the former president for allegedly hoarding secretive and sensitive documents from his time in the White House. The Australian government has certainly not said anything on this report so far. The counsel, uh, the special investigator, Jack Smith, a spokesperson for his office, has told the ABC that it won't be commenting. But interestingly, for former president, uh, Donald Trump, has issued a statement through a spokesperson, and I think we can get a sense of that now, which is that he's described them as illegal leaks coming from sources which lack proper context. He says the Department of Justice is, of course, conducting what he describes as a witch hunt against him. And in this statement, he calls for an end to these disclosures from that process. Defence correspondent Andrew Green reporting. Staying overseas, at least 51 people have been killed in a Russian missile attack on a village in the Kharkiv region of eastern Ukraine. Alexei Marapiev is Associate Professor of National Security and Strategic Studies at Curtin University. He's been following the Ukraine conflict closely and he says with attacks like these, it's difficult to see an end to this war anytime soon. The war in Ukraine continues to take its deadly toll and we don't really see the end of it. No one can predict when the war will. Which persist. How do we tackle that, do you think? How do we address that? 
medium like yours has got a very role to play. ABC is a trusted entity in Australia. Government, governments they come and go, ministers come and go, prime ministers come and go, but the ABC is here and will be here. And ABC is a trusted big auntie. We trust auntie, we love auntie. And ABC has got a role to play in in disseminating the factual information so that people can make informed decisions. We are not saying, okay, you go vote and there, there and there. Well, I'm in public. I support yes, because as I said, it's about the just thing to do. It's a fair thing to do and supporting First Nations people who are the land of the uh, owner of this land. But having said that, I request all listeners, please, please, please spare five minutes of your time. Just mm. read. Or have anybody, you know, fact, fact, fact of the matter is, this, this um, the voice was initiated by the former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. It's not by Albo, by Tony wow. Abbott who started it. And kind of was initiated really by people outside of the parliament. Outside right? parliament, this is like, nobody. Yeah. It, this proposal came from early spring, that gathering that Aboriginal First Nations people had. It had nothing to do with Canberra bubble. It just came from them. It is there, the one who is asking for it. So why you are saying yes to them? Have respect. Show some respect. Manal Huck, I appreciate you coming in to talk to us about it this afternoon. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. That's Manal Huck talking to us on ABC Radio Canberra. Uh, I just want to know about not voice. Just want to say the is still going. It, yes, yeah. we're, we're uh, live on the radio. Uh, um, I um, I don't know how many of uh, of listeners know that I have been recently awarded order of Australia Award and it will public marketing free marketing for the government house. They are having an open house tomorrow. The Governor General's house is having open house tomorrow from, I think it's 10 o'clock until 2 p.m., I believe. Yeah. Open house. It's a free entry. Uh, no tickets required. Bring your family, friends, and have have a fun, fabulous day tomorrow at the open house. Governor General's house. It's your house, by the way. It's your house. You're paying for it. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you so much, Manal Huck. I'm talking to us on ABC Radio Canberra this afternoon. By the way, if you would like some more information, if you are feeling um, like you still need some more info, you've got some more questions, you're still trying to make up your mind, um, can I direct you to one of the great places to, to start, the Voice Referendum Explained podcast with Carly Williams and Fran Kelly. You can find that on your ABC Listen app, which might be on your phone even as we speak. Um, you can, of course, get your ABC Listen app wherever you get your apps from. It's free uh, to download. It doesn't really take very much data and it gives you access not only to live radio, but to a huge raft of things, including ABC podcasts like The Voice Referendum Explained. And if you do, go to the ABC News website, abc.net.au slash news. There's a little link right at the top that says Voice Referendum which is also a great quick place to go if you want to read some stuff um, to read more of our uh, ABC colleagues' coverage of the voice referendum as we head towards the vote on the 14th of October. You're listening right now to ABC Radio Canberra. Anna Vito with you this afternoon.
ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Ahead of this referendum, anticipating some of the divide it might cause, we saw an Indigenous helpline be set up and it has 10 embassy in Canberra. Well, you know, you can't actually turn the television on or turn the radio on unless you're hearing about this campaign. And, you know, it's quite disturbing to hear all these people that are coming out and having their opinions on us, about us, without us. You know, we feel the impact of what's happening on social media and the reality of living as an Aboriginal person in this country. And if anything, this has actually exposed the continuous racism in this country. But as the date draws closer people are starting to think about how we're going to feel the day after the referendum. If we vote yes in this referendum, we'll be seen as a modern democracy that has dealt with the legacies that have come from imperial nations taking countries away from Indigenous peoples. That's the first thing. And that we were courageous enough as a nation, of a modern nation, to deal with and face up to that particular matter by recognition in our constitution and by allowing the, the people that we've subjugated and oppressed a voice that is not binding on our parliament, but a voice that they can put to our parliament and to our executive on ways to improve that relationship between us and those that have conquered us. And it will also be seen as a matter of restorative justice. We can't go backwards, but we can be honest, we can face up to the legacy, and we can try to map out a future way, but this time in a dialogue with the First Peoples and give them a chance to say how we ought to do it. That's Labor Senator and Yaru man Pat Dodson, and that's so characteristic of him. I mean, a lot of people think of him as the father of reconciliation. He's always thinking about how to make peace within Australia between black and white Australians, and, and he's still optimistic about a yes vote. But, Carly, what if Australia votes no? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But one thing is for sure, a no vote will attract international attention. There's no escaping that. The voice referendum's already got a good run on the BBC, New York Times, it's been on international podcasts. I'm getting messages from people overseas asking, where is this going? What's happening? Um, Yeah, former Foreign Minister Julie Bishop, she says it's being talked about too. She's still out and about on the international stage. She's been campaigning for yes. I have no doubt that it will be sending a very negative message about the openness and the empathy and the respect and responsibility that the Australian people have for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And her view is shared by John McCarthy. He's a career diplomat. In fact, he's been Australia's ambassador in seven countries, most of them in the region. I think in a longer-term way, the manner in which we are regarded, the manner in which we are trusted, the manner in which people have confidence in us as a country, all that will be impacted. And I think in the end, you know, the manner in which people regard us as a country does have long-term implications for all sorts of things, whether people visit uh, in a funny subliminal way, whether they want to do business with us, the manner in which they trust us, regard us uh, internationally, uh, all that will come into play. It's a bit confronting, Fran. People won't want to visit us. People won't want to visit Australia. Well, maybe. I mean... He, John McCarthy is not claiming that a no vote will affect our terms of trade or anything on that scale, but he is adamant that a no vote will damage our relations with our Pacific neighbours. There is considerable empathy amongst Pacific Islanders for Indigenous people in Australia, and they will take it very, very seriously. And this, I think, actually is quite important to our current strategic interests. 
we've put a real emphasis on the South Pacific over the past three or four years, partly because of fears of encroachment by China. Now, part of that means understanding the way people of the Pacific think and the way we treat Indigenous people will be seen as directly relevant to the way Australians look to the South Pacific. So John McCarthy thinks it will have knock-on effects in our sort of strategic relationships. And Fran, any sort of nuance in this vote, the complexities of both sides are going to be lost in international coverage, won't it? Like all that will resonate, all that's going to cut through is this headline, Australia voted against recognising Indigenous people. So if it is a no, and that's what the polls have been suggesting, how will the government respond? Is it too early to be even talking about that? Well, it's totally for them. You will have noticed that neither the Prime Minister nor Linda Burney, who's the Minister for Indigenous Australians, are prepared to go there yet. They're remaining staunchly positive and they're campaigning hard for a yes vote. So they're not engaging at all in the question of, you know, what happens if it's a no the morning after. But as the polls continue to slide, others are thinking about the future and some are urging the government to be prepared. Among them, Indigenous academic Marcia Langton. She's the co-author of the Karma Langton Report, which remains the only model we have so far still on what a legislated voice would have looked like. The blueprint. Yeah, yeah. that's what they were mm. working on. And when Marcia Langton spoke at the National Press Club a few weeks ago, she had some, let's call it free and frank advice for the PM. I do hope that the government sets out an agenda for reform that's based on common sense, on the recommendations of many inquiries and royal commissions and on expert advice before the rabble take over and turn a no vote into a mandate to cause us even further harm. If, they're not if the government is not inclined to set out the agenda before the vote, then they should do so immediately afterwards. And that means they should be prepared now to tell us what the future holds for us. That's Marcia Langton with something, you know, sounds pretty close to a plea to oh. the government, really. But what would that agenda be? There have been calls for the government to legislate a voice and if the referendum does go down, but what are the odds? Are they going to go there? I think a legislative voice is unlikely because if you think about it, if the Prime Minister the day after the country voted no said, oh, well, we're going to move forward with a legislative voice, I think he'd be accused of ignoring the will of the people. Now, the only caveat there would be if, say, Peter Dutton stepped up with a with an olive branch and said, OK, let's do this together. That that might be different. But I, I don't think it's going to be a legislated voice. I really can't see that happening. The number one priority, the reality is, for, for most Australians right now, is cost of living and the pressures people are feeling. Paying the bills. Yeah, paying the bills, that's it. And I, I think after this referendum day, the government is going to want to reset and prove to the population that, you know, it's totally focused there on their everyday cost of living needs. Yeah, I get that. Uh, this is why Marcia Langton is worried. Indigenous affairs is just going to be forgotten about. Exactly. Bottom of the pile. Exactly. Mm. And, and, and it will fall off the front pages. It won't be front and centre like it is now. Mm. But I'm sure the Prime Minister is going to want to keep faith with Indigenous Australians somehow too. So I imagine he'll address the nation when we get the result, whatever it is, and perhaps have some kind of action plan to improve the disadvantage that he was talking about earlier, something maybe less permanent, less consultative than The Voice. Remember, Carly, a few weeks back, before the campaign really got underway, the Productivity Commission came out with its report into the Closing the Gap 
targets and it gave the state and territory governments a real shellacking for failing in their commitments to closing the gap. Yeah, got a roasting. It said the government had completely dropped the ball at meeting those targets and the government cannot ignore closing the gap data, can it? No, and what the Productivity Commission said was the states were failing to honour their pledge to work with Indigenous communities to improve things on the ground. This was a whole new way they were meant to be working and it just found they weren't doing it. So perhaps there'll be a, a national cabinet process called around the closing the gap targets to start with. Pat Dodson thinks that's a good way to go. Just get all the leaders around the table again. If Australia votes no in this referendum, then we would have to take stock of our position as a mature, modern democracy. Uh, we will have failed in the legacy issues that colonisation has bequeathed to us, in the settlement issues that colonisation has also bequeathed to us, in the denial of the First Peoples of this country. Uh, but if we fail, then I think the Federation has got to come together as we do through the uh, meeting of Prime Ministers and leaders from states and territories and reassess, okay, how does the nation go forward in other ways? And then there are other possibilities. And some of the states are showing leadership in that direction with their own voices and treaty commissions, etc. Yeah, Pat Dodson reminding us there that most states and territories now do have some kind of treaty process. There's a way to go with most of them, but they seem to be committed. And as we discussed in the last ep, Carly, a federal treaty would be decades in the making anyway. And I think that a no vote probably takes the idea of a national treaty off the table. Yeah, now. yeah, and friend, the idea of a national treaty doesn't actually sit well with lots of mob anyway. Gwenda Stanley, who we heard from earlier from the 10 Embassy, she's voting no. She thinks that treaties will work best at a local level. It's nation building and it needs to be the clans of the nations to make that decision on what they want. No one treaty can actually determine any other clan or nation's determination for what they see as their own clan treaties. And, you know, again, if we try to do that, we're going to fail our people on the ground and just another bickering and fighting division amongst our own. Yeah, and as we've reminded uh, people throughout this podcast series a lot of times, Carly, this referendum is not about treaty. That's not what's on the ticket this time, is it? I think we all need reminding. This referendum is not about treaty, national treaty or state-level treaty. This referendum is about recognising Indigenous Australians in the Constitution with a voice to Parliament. And leaders like Marcia Langton, who we heard from earlier, others we've heard on this podcast, Noel Pearson, Megan Davis, Auntie Pat Anderson, and a lot of others have devoted a lot of their lives to get to this moment. If the nation votes no, well, you'd have to wonder really if they're going to saddle up again. Yeah, that is a big worry of Mbantua, Alice Springs business leader, Owen Cole. He's a Luritcher and Warramungu man. I'm just frightened of the fact that a large sector of the Aboriginal community will be that demoralised and many of the elders will retreat from um, playing the influential role that they do in, in politics and, and they'll just say it's just not worth it. We've given our utmost and it's failed and uh, we'll retreat. So I'm just afraid that people are going to wave the white flag and and walk away and say that we're never going to beat this Australian system. It's unfair. You know, the old mantra that everyone gets a fair go in Australia, that is, except if you're Aboriginal, and this will just say to people, we just want to disappear, exit stage left. It's worrying to think of the lingering effects on mob that this campaign have had. If the helpline calls are anything to go by, you know, this has hurt us. This has caused damage, whatever way the vote goes. So the government does need a plan to address that, the damage that the campaign has done. Yeah, and try and make sure we get a reconciliation process 
up and thriving again, hopefully. Well, that's it from us. Next week is the final week of the referendum campaign. So we'll be back with you just one more time, one last time before you cast your ballot. But who's counting? Thanks for All right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> It's finished now, buddy. We've got to vote next week, yes or no, if you want a voice for the parliament, for the Aborigines. I'm voting yes because of this, of the way it is. Because I don't want to lie. I don't want to do anything. I just want to vote yes and leave me alone. Leave me alone because I went there yesterday. I got in a big argument. No, 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 they said. I said yes. I'm voting yes because... We can protest and say we bought it, yes, and you people over there bought it, no, so you get their government to say to you whatever they want to you. We bought yes, and when we protest, we can say no, you're not allowed to say anything to us because we bought it, yes, for more of these good people to go into the parliament and to, to hear their voice. So there you go. So, yes, it's a good thing. I know they're saying, don't say yes, don't say yes, because they're going to take everything away from us. This yes means um, land, take the land. Yes, I know, I know. But if they do that, then we're allowed to protest very hardcore and say, what are we voting for then? What are we voting, yes or no? What are, we, what are you doing if you're just going to keep taking the land and not keeping it back, not reserving the culture, not reserving the lingo, not reserving anything. I'm Chilean and it can't be like this. Next week on Saturday or Sunday we had a boat and this is going to go off. It's going to go off. You understand what the meaning of life is? This is Aborigine land and this is how it was. You kill my people, time to pay back. You understand? Little by little, we'll go in there and we'll do something about it. They're playing, they're playing little games with us by saying, oh, yes, but yes or no, the country needs to. But look at it now. Floods, um, cut off electricity, um, the whole lot's gone bananas, and it's not good this weather. And the, plus China has, oh, you threaten us, we threaten you. No more wine selling, no more buying this. It's all crap, 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 crap. And it just can't go on and on and on and on. All right. I'm going, but I don't know how, to, how do you save this.